Welcome, everybody, to the Robert John and the Wreck podcast. We are a five-piece rock and roll band traveling the world, drinking local drinks, and eating local foods. I'm Warren. I'm Robert. I'm Steve. And I'm Andrew. How good did I do, Steve? That was good. You did a good job. Oh, you, you rolled your voice up at the end. That means that I did, yeah. like, okay. You, but you, you, need, you need a little well, more you, confidence. You, you missed a couple of things, and it was a little flat. But other than that, like, <laughs> yeah, you, you got it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well Just taking the confidence out of I, I i i appreciate it well you asked i know uh, i know i did it's okay you gotta have that have that confidence i know i am sorry. sorry if that means all right anything. well i'm sure i'll, do, I'll <laughs> get my chance again later yeah uh, and this is episode 103 everybody 102 right 102 102 one, what is See, it at least i got one thing I right. in front of me <laughs> There we go. 102. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. If we sound a little tired tonight, it's because we had a (laughs) super long, fun weekend of playing music. It's true. And uh, the video shoot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I guess I'll just start because I'm already talking about it. So, Friday night, we had a show at a place in uh, San Juan Capistrano called Patty Station, which is kind of like a train car right on the train tracks in San Juan Capistrano. And we played down there a bunch. We played at Coach House, and we this is one of the places. It was actually our last in-town gig before we leave for Europe. So a bunch of people came out. We saw a bunch of familiar faces. We met a bunch of new people that came out, which is really cool. And, man, I was not expecting the level of energy that came out of that room. It was a... It felt... Um, yeah. Coach House has a bunch of tables, and you're sitting, and you're eating dinner, and you're watching. And people do get up and, you know, have a good time, but it's just a different vibe. And I feel like we've been doing a bunch of outdoor stuff. And this is the first show we played that's in, like, this sweaty room. And everyone just, like, jumped up from the first song and started, like, dancing. And everyone just gets in it with each other, and everyone starts drinking and sweating and all this stuff. And, um... Yeah, I feel like everyone was having a great time by the end of it. And then there was a lot of people who were just like, oh, my God, you guys, I've seen you guys so many times. And that one was like, you know, really special. But then the train drives by like every like 30 or 40 minutes, whatever the schedule is, which is pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. Distracting. Yeah. And and big thank you to all the staff at Patty's for uh, (laughs) treating us really well and uh, taking care of us. It was a great night. Really great. That was also super cool. Yeah, they, yeah, they did a really good job of making sure we were fed and drank, and they have great food too. I was, I definitely like thought it was more of a bar, but it, it's definitely both. Um, and I really enjoyed the food that I got there. And then on Saturday, we shot our video shoot for a song that is unreleased. If you you know what it is if you know us uh, because we've been playing it all the time and I think everyone's really responding to that song like every day. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's an Easter egg. Ruin it. <laughs> yeah, the song's oh, called Easter Egg. Everybody. Yeah, it's, uh... <laughs> no, and I I uh, dropped all the footage in today because I'm the one who edits the videos and my God, it is. So amazing. I can't awesome. wait to start like getting into it. <laughs> Everything nice. looks so good. And uh so many people showed up that I didn't, you know, 
they've maybe been to one or two shows and they're just like, oh yeah, I saw you at Patty's and I just decided to come by or these sorts of things. And man, like the team is just dialed in at this point. I feel like we know how to do these things and that was just magic. How'd you guys feel? Yeah, it felt, it felt really good. I mean, I, you know, the, the, the song, everyone that will get to hear eventually, um, as well as see this video, will understand when you see it and when you hear the song. But I think it captured kind of where we were coming from with the song, like all at the same time, you know, opposed to just shooting like a performance video in that aspect. It kind of was a little bit more than that, um, which kind of felt great. And a uh, big shout out to John Hampton from Hampton Productions for helping us film it out. Yeah, John. And, uh, yeah, and thank you that everyone that came out to the video shoot, which we didn't make public, which was yeah, uh, because we had to have some sort of control in what we are doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you to everyone that came out. If you're listening to this, and and also thank you to Rob Boyd for letting us use his yep. uh, his ranch down in San Juan, and uh, also Steve Rios, who owns the property, for allowing us to do what we wanted to get done. So. Big shout outs. It's a, it's a shout out night. And to uh, Nathan Schnakeloof as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's Henry's brother. The assistant with the camera. <laughs> camera. Yeah, you got some great yeah. shots too. I've been looking at those. That was awesome. Nice. Yeah, it was a good time. And then we went out drinking to everyone's gigs, and that was also a good time. <laughs> so we went to go see Steve. That was Ooh. so fun to have you guys. Yeah. We went to go see Steve play at a wine bar. Which was very fun. And then Henry was playing with his band, King Tree, at the Marine Room in uh, Laguna Beach. So we had like a full day of music. I think, I think Saturday was the reason why we're all tired tonight. Even though Warren went home and had a wonderful evening. <laughs> I went home. I was, I was exhausted. I couldn't make it out any further. But so Warren, had a good day. Warren had a good day on Sunday, right? <laughs> I did. I had a good day on Sunday because we got to play a private party for a close friend of the band. Um, his daughter, Sim, Sam, Samantha, uh, graduated college. Um, S- Steve Schwartz is our buddy who uh, got us to play at the OC Tavern. And it was cool because it was a wig party. <clears throat> and um, we obviously don't really have any wigs or anything. Uh, and I feel like every time you hear about like a wig party or like a theme party, you feel like maybe there might be like a handful of people that like dressed up. And at this wig party, if you didn't have a wig, it was kind of weird. Like everybody had a wig and they were all like good wigs too. And uh, yeah, it was kind of a fun element to throw into playing a live sh- gig. Aside from the fact that wigs are super, super hot and uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I definitely respect anybody who is in the uh, the arts that goes on stage with a full wig because that is not easy to do. Um, I don't know. What did you guys think about the wig party graduation ceremony extravaganza? I was exhausted. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I don't live close to Orange County. I live about maybe an hour away. So every time I go do something in Orange County, I have to drive an hour Super, I I can do it five times a week, and I don't even think about it. But as soon as you put me back-to-back-to-back weekends every day, it just turns into uh, 
like a huge burn. And especially going to see people play music and then being out till two and then having to be back out there and stuff like that is, you know, I'm getting old. So I was incredibly yeah. tired on Sunday. You but did then it, we though. started playing and I felt amazing. That's what always happens. Even on tour, I'll just get exhausted and I'm like, save it for the stage, save it for the stage, save it for the stage. And I get on stage and I just like put everything I have out and that the adrenaline just kicks in and I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like if, if I get tired or if I'm tired before we play, as soon as your body starts sweating again, you kind of get that second energy and maybe have a beer too. And that kind of puts you into that. All right. I can get through this, this gig and not only that kill it. Yeah. But that crowd even for a Sunday night and they were all like, you know, kids in their twenties, they were going for it. So then we went for it harder. Yeah. It was just like, you know, that show was so much fun too. Like everything we did this weekend was just like amazing. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I was tired just like Andrew was um, as well, but I don't have to drive hours and hours that day. Um, but it was the same thing. Like once we start playing it, like the adrenaline kicks in and you're like, okay, cool. This will be great. <clears throat> and just the people at the party were just, you know, a music lovers and then be just ready to have a good time and enjoy the night, you know, which is always ideal. We were just whispering, Warren. I was. I thought was we, we couldn't hear I asked Erica to grab me a beer. So. Where's the timestamp? 12 minutes. Well, <laughs> Steve, yeah. 12 minutes. Yeah. Let's edit that out. <laughs> well, you know what? That segues into our next thing, which uh, is drinking. But before we get into what we were drinking, we have a very special guest with us from a band that we love a power trio that is right here in Southern California called Porcelain Hill. We uh, are happy to bring Big D from Porcelain Hill to Woo! the Robert John Breck podcast. What up? Cheers. How y'all doing, man? Thank Good. you for joining us. Yeah, hey, thanks, thanks for having me, man. Uh, this is this is cool, man. I, I was I was vibing with everything you guys were saying right now. I was like, especially when you guys were like, oh, man, we're tired on tour. And then, like, you save it all for the stage. Like, that's that's real. We we have we have a weekend like that coming up and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And like at the same time, my body is just like, no, <laughs> but I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Shows are back. Yes. Yes, they are. That's been like probably the, one of the coolest things of this year is just being able to play live music again for like real people in a real way, you know, cause uh, I saw you guys were doing the lives. We did some live stuff and it's, it's an outlet, but there's nothing as visceral and as, as uh, rewarding as like a real blood, sweat and tear gig in front of people. That's like Amen. magic. That's yeah. the truth. Totally agree. Yeah, man. Especially like when you, when you, I don't know, like there's certain live music that like adheres itself in, in rather I word it this way, different genres of live music connect with crowds in different ways, you know, like whether you're a singer songwriter and you're just getting really intimate with an audience and pulling them in, or you're like some sort of super punk band and it's just balls to the wall energy and just everyone's just vibrating you know, or you do like rock and blues and it's everything in between. I don't know. There's something about it. It's yeah. I want bigger, better shows, man. <laughs> yeah, man. 
Well, before we get too deep into all the stuff that's been going on, let's talk about what we're drinking. War, what are you drinking, buddy? Well, uh, as you just heard me whisper to Erica, I asked her to grab me a beer, and we got a sampler pack of Sierra Nevada, which is something that I felt like I haven't had in a long time. And um, right now she grabbed a tropical torpedo for me. Which uh, it's pretty good. It's like you're kind of a uh, tropical IPA. It's not super aggressive. With uh, I don't know, this strikes me as an IPA that I could have more than like a, a pineapple sculpin or some of those really sweet IPAs. Um, I feel like the smart beer companies realized how crazy those things were and they've kind of backed away from really overpowering their beers with uh, too much sour or I don't know, fruit flavors, but this is really good. And uh, yeah, the sampler pack is pretty cool. It has a, you know, I don't know. I like the sampler packs. You get a lot of different variety and uh, I love Sierra Nevada. It's a, you know, California Chico Chico. Um, and I feel like it was, it was probably the first IPA I've ever had. And I remember, I mean, not to get too deep with Sierra Nevada stuff, but I remember being a kid when you're first drinking beers and stuff and our friends started to get into IPAs. And I was like, why would you ever want to drink a Sierra Nevada? I hate IPAs. Like, I'm never going to drink an IPA. And now all I drink is IPAs. I don't drink anything else. And... <laughs> I think Sierra Nevada is a staple. I, I never have a problem drinking any of their IPAs. Them and Lagunitas uh, love them. So, yeah, try the Tropical Torpedo. It's not super, super intense. It's very enjoyable. What about you, Robert? What do you got? Well, really quick, Warren, did that come in a sampler pack? or It came in a sampler pack. Were you oh, not okay. listening to his whole spiel? <laughs> well, he said sampler pack like four times. I was just checking. Oh, okay. Did I? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well... Sampler pack, sampler pack, sampler pack. There's seven. Um, I was like, is that a Zoolander moment or is it like a... <laughs> but why <no>. male models? <laughs> <laughs> Blue Steve. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. I should watch that movie again soon. So, um, I am I'm just drinking the beer that I still had in the, uh, in the old fridge of mine. It's a gimme. It's a docent. Uh, had it on last week. It's a solid IPA that I can drink until I can't drink anymore. So, um, cheers, Docent. Also, Docent uh, helped uh, helped us with our music video that we shot this weekend. So, thank you to those guys for providing us with um, the libations that were needed for the music video. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm drinking. It's nothing that I haven't had on here multiple times. Andrew, what are you drinking? I still have my beer from Ebolition that we played a couple weeks ago in the fridge, and it is a hazy IPA. It's really good. Your Ebolition hazy. I don't know why... We, we've had this conversation before with brewers where hazies have just, like, taken over the industry. We were talking to Sean about it at the Wayfair, right? Was he the mm-hmm. one who said that? If I have a hazy on tap, it blows yeah. twice as fast as anything yeah. else. And um, I don't know what it is about hazies. I think... I would take a light IPA. I don't like lagers because they feel heavy to me and I'll drink them. But like, uh, it just feels a little too much. Like I'm 
drinking a loaf of bread when people talk about that. And I feel like uh, I'd take like a session IPA that wasn't a really high alcohol content just because I want a little more taste out of it. Yep. And I feel like that's what hazies are, but brewers don't seem to put those things in the same category. Like that's why I go with a hazy. It's not because it's hazy. It's because it's a light IPA and it's super weird when, yeah, people talk about it and they're like, I don't know why people like hazies so much. And I think that's why it's, it's cause you have the option of your normal IPA. That's like seven to 9%. Your double. That's like, you know, whatever in the nine, 10, 11, <laughs> cause brewers go crazy. And then like your session that might be like three or four or something like that. And hazy is like the logger of IPAs basically. So that, that's why I like hazies. Um, and this is a great one. D what are you drinking? Well, I, I wanted to do tequila cause that's my normal. Um, but we were out. So I was like, cool. I'm going to get a stout cause that's my go-to. And we were out of that. So I was left with the the old tried and true, the Golden Road Pineapple Cart. Nice. Let's uh, go. Yeah, uh, I don't think anyone's had that on here yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Road. I usually see the Mango Cart by Golden Road, but I've never, I haven't seen a Pineapple Cart. Yeah, they have like a whole variety part. The variety part. Wow, maybe I've had too many. Variety pack. Um, and they have like watermelon. Well, also, and Like a sampler pack? Yeah, yeah. Like, like a sampler pack. Sampler pack. Sampler, <laughs> pack. sampler pack. All the sampler yeah. packs. <laughs> and uh yeah man you know you got to get all of it and so uh but it's good stuff you know i was surprised when i first had it because like i don't like beers that are really bitey um mostly because i have a problem I, I i have a drinking problem um no when i when i drink i like to just chug stuff unless it's like really heavy or really strong so if i drink something that's too light i just i get thirstier and then i'm like oh man i'm like eight beers in how did that happen so I'm normally not the light beer kind of guy, but these things like I can I can kind of sip on them and uh, they're they're tasty. No one in this band knows about drinking too much, so you're on your own with that one. Yep, pretty much. Story of my life. Very, very, <laughs> very foreign thing. Yeah, pl- playing bars and and stuff all over the world. You know, I'm the only alcoholic I've ever run into. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody I go into, everyone's only drinking like Beck's. Uh, you know, alcohol free. Oh, duels, yeah. St. Pauli NA. Yeah, that's it. We, uh, we we played a place in Germany. I don't know the city. Um, I also don't know the venue, but maybe you guys will remember. Um, but but they have like almost every like like zero point zero like non alcoholic beer that like that there is. Um, like they have like every version of whatever Heineken has. Like every version of Bex that you know like. They, and it's like in these, genius. in these huge fridges. Um, uh, happy billiards. Happy happy billiards. billiards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they have all that non-alcoholic beer right there, um, which you don't normally see. You know, in a bar, you, you know, I'm guessing the bar would prefer to sell alcohol beer, but um, this place just has all of the non-alcoholic stuff. But would they? Because like, it. what's the cost? Because like, I wonder if non-alcoholic beer is cheaper to like buy. I have no what idea. So then maybe they make like made more money by selling it. We should we'll find out next time we go. Gotta ask them. Gotta yeah. ask them. <laughs> they you know. Might be a language barrier, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> it's all good. You guys will speak German by then. You guys have you guys have been there enough for sure. I, I can't even respond to you. Now. 
I feel like I learn a bunch when we go out there. Like, I'll get on my Duolingo or whatever, and I'll be like, oh, that's how you say socks in German or something like that. And I feel very proud of myself. And I go back home and I forget all of it. I know how to say Bitteschen. I know how to say um, Ein Bier Bitte. Ein Bier Bitte, da. That's all you need. What does that though. mean? Das Deutsch ist wunderbar. Please. <laughs> Do you speak German? German? No, mein Deutsch ist schrecklich. I got to, so we're, we're, we work with this company, vintage guitars and stuff. So the guy, Thomas Blug is from Germany. And so he's taught me a little bit of German. And then we, I thought we were going to go one time. So I was like, Oh man, I got to learn all this German. And uh, I learned a little bit, but like, nah, that's just all the, the basic stuff. Uh, we always tell stories about how Warren knows way better Spanish than I do. And, <laughs> but I look like the most person in the band who would know how to speak Spanish. So if we do tours in Spain, there'll just be people coming up to me speaking fluent Spanish. And I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. And I make it like really obvious I'm American because I like if I try to speak Spanish, I won't understand and then Warren just has like full on conversations with people. Which <laughs> 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 makes me look bad. It's okay, it happens. Know, we kind of all kind of have a good hang on it. Yeah, enough to get by, but I know yeah, how to say Spanish is a fun one. I feel like the things you learn first are uh, like ordering from a menu is like super important, right? You have to know what chicken, pork, turkey, whatever. I know all those in German. <laughs> I know what all the dishes are and stuff like that, or, or uh, like yeah. tomato. And what, what, like that's a big deal. Tomato! And then the, that's all the niceties or whatever. And I, I'm like the, the language we deal with the least is French. We're in France for like a very small period of time. French is kind of close to Spanish though. Cause they're both like yeah. Latin based. Like, and then like, I don't know if you guys run into it in Europe. So we, we played in France one time and I, again, un petit français. like it's, it's very small. I'm just really good at accents so I can fake stuff. Um, and I remember I was like, okay, I know like enough, Spanish and enough French to like make it work. But a thing that kept happening was like, I would just say words in English in a French accent. And that seemed to be yeah. understood a lot more than if I said it in an American accent. I'm like, <laughs> how do we go up the road, dude? And they're like, just go say I'm like, how do you get up the road? Do you do it? And they're like, Oh, it's over that way. And you're just like, all right, cool. So be it. This is, this is how we're doing that now. I feel like I end up doing that too. Like in like, like anywhere we go, like even like even just the south of the United States, like if you're there for like longer than like you know three days, you just end up like saying oh, the same stuff. Oh, bless your heart! Yeah. y'all going over here today? Oh, oh, man. How, how you guys all? Four weeks now. How you oh, guys all real. doing tonight, man? It's, we're just here to have a good time, and uh, thank you all for being here. And then I get off the stage, and I think someone said it before. Andrew's like, "Are you are you from the south now?" I'm like, "I don't know. I I don't even realize that." That's you know? literally what happens with us in English. Ac- well, with me in English accents to the point where I just I just keep it now. So like, I I work side a side gig at Starbucks sometimes, and like my whole shift I'm just British. So and it's I'm and I've been called out like maybe once, but mostly not. And what's great is when English people come and they're like, "What part of England are you from?" And I'm like, "I'm just you know, so I found them about yourself." And they're like, "Oh, I'm from Leicester." And like, "I'm from York." And da, 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 da. we just start talking and. 
You're like, it's, fuck, I'm going to get caught out. <laughs> it's, being there for six months has helped so much because now at least I know the geography. Yeah, yeah, so like now like they'll be like, which part? And I'm like, oh, over here near that thing, you know, in that area. <laughs> just pull, pull, just pulling the legs all day. It's great. It's well, a good time. Deep, before we get too deep in talking about this stuff, because I'm sure we could talk to you all day about this, uh, let's listen to some of your music. All right. Okay, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Yeah. Since since there is no Henry tonight, I don't know if you guys have noticed, um, we will get back to his history lesson tomorrow, or tomorrow, next week. Um, and we figured instead we are going to play a song off Porcelain Hill's new album called Porcelain Hill. It's self-titled. Um, so, yeah, let's do this, and then you can kind of talk about the making of the album and all that sort of shit. Sweet. All right, here we go. Again, this is Pretty Faces, Ugly Soul by Porcelain Hill's brand new self-titled album, Porcelain Hill.
Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Pretty Faces, Ugly Soul by Porcelain Hill. That's always sexy. That Thanks, great. mate. I got like half a chub listening to that song. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Hey, that's that's how it is when I listen to you guys' music, man. So I, I hope it's, <laughs> I, I, I I was that's we wrote this album hoping to give you guys half chubbies. You know? <laughs> Mission complete. I mean, we were shooting for full chubbies, but you know. So let's talk that. about all your history with us. So we met you at South by Southwest. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. Which is funny because like I'd heard of you guys a lot. Um, just like from being in the scene and like gigging certain places. And I was like, Oh, who's this band? I want to check them out. And then I heard of Henry cause of one of his other bands as well. So then when I saw he was in your band, funny enough, one of the pictures I looked up of your guys's band is when Steve had the Afro. So when I saw Henry for the first time, I thought it was the, it was just a mm-hmm. whole mix of, but South by Southwest, and uh, John from Hampton Productions, he was like, yeah, man, he's like, we got some space. If you guys want to jump on? I was like, please, man, you know, we'll take, you know, a day, like we'll take five minutes, whatever we can get, you know. Um, it wasn't our first time in South by, but we're still trying to just kind of break in over there. Um, so, you know, shout out to him for that. It was really, really cool. And he ended up having slots the whole time we were there. So we just kind of kept gigging with you guys. And dude, yeah. it was, it was awesome. Dude, it was great. <clears throat> And uh, I feel like over there, like, we meet more bands on that show than anything else. Or we meet more bands on festivals that live in California than anywhere else. One of the the Alpine Blues Festival thing that we played, we met a, a band called Dennis Jones Band that's, like, from Torrance or something like that, where we, we had never seen him before. And they destroyed it. And I'm like, why have we never seen you? And, you know... We're we're thirty minutes away, but it might as well be you know a completely different yeah. planet, you know. And it's weird. Well, I think too, like with festivals like that, like in Southern California, the blues rock, classic rock, Southern rock that that not metal, not country, not alt rock, or, and not indie rock umbrella. Yeah. Like the scene is so scattered. I feel like there's not like a, a a mecca for it yet necessarily. I mean, I could be wrong. That's just kind of my view of it. And like, that's why it's been cool gigging either with you guys or around where you guys are gigging more and like seeing the scene develop and meeting more bands like that. Like, it's just been really, it's been interesting. Cause I think in Southern California, you get, you get, you get that, that Southern hospitality as, as Southern Californians. Sometimes I think there's like a lot of bands that are, like they're like, yeah, let's do a show and let's vibe and let's have a good time. But I think to keep that going, like it starts to get kind of clicky sometimes. And so like it's I don't know, it's been really cool experiencing this ride with a band like you guys, you know, who's like, you guys rock, man. I don't know. It's just it's tight. It's cool stuff. No, it's cool. I feel like when we started, which was all, like 10 years ago now, there's like an incredibly healthy scene of people who wanted to be in bands and wanted to be in bands that sounded like that, like not indie. It was like a lot of country. Robert, like there was like yeah, it was. I mean, it was just a. I feel like when we started, there was more, you know, a, a closer version, you know, if you will, like like closer to what a, a blues rock, uh, classic rock feel would would feel like. Um, 
and I'm sure it's going to come back once, you know, things get back into motion how they are. But I think you're right, D, that, that there isn't like a mecca for it. You know, there, there's venues that'll, that'll book that kind of music all over Southern California. Um, but they'll also book, you know, the metal band the next night, the reggae band the next night. So there's not like a, cool, I'm going to go to this yeah. venue and I'm going to hear this genre of music. It's more of eclectic all over the board, at least in a lot especially of places in California, too, which is great. Especially I too, love it. Because you guys have been to Europe. You guys have been, you know, all, all overseas and stuff. And like I've found, or like even the South, the South is another spot. I feel like that classic rock that, it's not indie, it's not metal, it's not country, you know, like I was saying, but it's it's with real instruments and it's, you know, three, four chords with soul, you know. I feel like it's, a, except it isn't necessarily like do do it justice, but like it, it thrives in those environments, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like overseas, there are people who are fans of the, the, the music itself, and like and stuff versus here. Sometimes I think there's just people who are fans of the party and just fans of having the good time, which is cool, you know. And like I feel blessed that we can do music that can be a part of that and help bring that to it, you know. But it's different when people are like about the music, you know. I don't know. Like I remember we were we were at this little bar in England called the Flying Circus, and. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not that little anymore because they just did a thing upstairs. But anyways, there's like this 90-year-old lady and we played that song, Pretty Faces, Ugly Soul. And dude, she's in the front row just like rocking out. Not like she had Alzheimer's either. Like she was really legitimately like rocking (laughs) out, man. Dude, she was loving it, man. And like, you know, when people are just just into the music, it it feel, you feel that energy more. And And I think that's, that's what our scene's missing in, in Southern California on a whole compared to some of the other scenes. But again, that's, that's my yeah. take on it. I've heard it talked about like this a lot, which is basically like in Southern California, we get the best acts in the world coming through every weekend, every day, basically. Like you could see a world-class act here where in other places they don't get those kinds of things. And so our bands touring through somewhere like they're like more appreciated where you don't have to know the record. You're just excited to see live music. And I feel like even places in the United States are like that, like in the South or other places that we played, you know, they're just excited to see live music. It's not necessarily about knowing the song. And I feel like in L.A. too, I've seen so many shows where, like, people go and they play their hit and then they're fucking out, you know? Like, you see, like, half the crowd leave after... Uh, the thing that's coming to my mind is Jason Mraz playing I'm Yours like 10 years ago or something. I went to a Jason Mraz concert and some, and I'm Yours happened. Then you just see the whole crowd leave. No one's even interested in watching the encore. So uh, That's crazy, man. I think, I think L.A. specifically is such a weird spot too, man, because I feel like people are like, – because everyone always asks like, oh – why don't you guys play in California more? Why do you guys try to tour as much as you do? And I'm like, I love California. I have a lot of good fans here, a lot of good family here, a lot of friends here, you know? Like, there's a lot of good connections here, um, both within the music and without. But like, kind of like how you're saying, people leaving after they hear that hit song. Or the flip side, sometimes people only going because, like, they've heard that this person has a hit song. 
you know, and it's like the hype of it all versus like the actual, like I've seen, uh, we did a show once where this band was, it was their first time gigging. They've never really played live. And all these people showed up, friends and family and stuff, which is, you know, okay. It's like, it's their first gig. That makes sense. But like, because of that, there was a bunch of other people that were like, Oh, who's this band? We want to check them out. We want to get to know them. And then the other bands that were on there were like, talented artists and just like nobody was there for them. like they're just like there was no hype so everyone left and it was it was kind of sad because it was like man like when it's new and it's fresh people are interested but like when it's developed sometimes it, it falls through the cracks just because it, there's not enough hype with it and i don't know that was it was sad to see versus i feel like even places like new orleans texas um, a lot of the Midwest, like they just, there's such an appreciation for the craft and the art, like the, all the fluff stuff doesn't matter. It's just like, yo, is it good music? And then people appreciate it. And I, I, I've always liked that about like the road. Yeah. We've been playing LA for like 10 years to basically like trying to get in somewhere and just everything about it was like, we're bringing out our friends who don't live here. There's no one here who cares really unless you sort of like build that thing here and we were like we could be building our thing in orange county to like a critical mass much more than we could be doing that here we can't really like like it's that's more important than being popular in all the places like being really popular in your place you know and that took us a long time to learn of playing i don't know how many gigs in la yeah oh big facts big facts well they've said too like uh ari heard said in his book uh, how to make it in the new music business or whatever, you know, he talks about it and it's a thing that like I've kind of taken to heart too, is like, it's far better to have 10 people who really care about your music and who are really there for you than a hundred people who just are like, Oh, your band's cool. You know? And I feel like that's what we've been trying to do now is like, okay, yeah, it'd be nice to play everywhere and have like all these awesome tours with like tens of thousands of people, but it doesn't start that way most of the time. And even then, like, why do I want to, I mean, I don't really want to play for people who don't appreciate the music because they're just going to either talk over your solo or, you know, like, like, yeah, do some sort of weird stuff with like, you know, like I'd rather connect with people because that's, that's why I do the music, you know, at the end of the day, it's to help people to heal, you know, the wounds of medicine can't and stuff. And like, I don't know when people, I, I don't, I don't know if you, if that happens to you guys, when like we're playing a gig and like, we're just really feeling it. And I just look over in the corner of this bar and there's just some dude and he's not even drunk. And he's just like, <laughs> just like full blown loud conversation. I'm just like, I wish I could just throw a beer bottle. at you. Like, shut up. You're at a show. dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this is my job, man. Like we're working up here. Like have a good time. Like, uh. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've all had that thought. I feel like, you know, as, as we keep doing this and as we get older, it's, it's when you see that, you know, and you're just like, what are you doing, dude? Like, are you even here for this music? Like, but then you also have to be like, okay, that's one guy. How many other people are here really invested in what we're doing? And if there's more people invested in what we're doing on stage than this one guy, you know, that, that, that just changes your mindset. And you're like, cool, I'm here for these 10 people. 20 people, 30 people compared to this one asshole that's in the corner, like being a, whatever word you want to use that is. No. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's, Um, that's kind of what we've been doing these last couple of shows. Like if there's been like a small group, it's just honing in on the people who are there 
and been like, you know what? These are the people that this show is for, whether it's 10 or 10,000, like they need to get this performance because they're the ones who are here for it. And like, that's been so much more rewarding, so much more rewarding. Like, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's cha- it's shifting that perspective from the, yeah. from the negative part to the positive. And that's why I love you guys, man. Cause you guys are so even, positive, man. <laughs> and I feel like even like, you know, if you, if you show up to a venue that you've never been to before and you don't have no idea what's going to happen and you show up there and people just aren't, there for the music they're not there for you but you have the gig and you really need that you know that that check at the end of the night that's when i just turn to the band and i just stare at steven and 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 i'm just focused on them because then it's just i'm just here with these guys and we're just there to to play songs that we love and you you know it's just all about the like you said the perspective that you have on the stage but i think growing to that is a thing. I don't think you start there. I think no. there's multiple times, you know, that I've been on stage and people aren't interested and then not, you, you're mentally like, then why am I here? And like, like this is stupid. And then you get off the stage, you feel like sh- shit. And, you know, but it, it, it takes time to like figure that out unless you're a genius or you just already figure that out before you've ever been on a stage before, you know? Um, but I mean, that, that's the, that's the, the, the grind, you know, that's the, that's the, the battle that every young band and every, even when you're an older band, like that's, you gotta, you gotta have those gigs and you gotta feel that emotion and you gotta feel that, that anger inside to understand like, cool, this is not about this side of things. This is about this huge side of things. You know, this is one night and, you know, wherever you're going to play, but that's one night, you know, now maybe 10 years ago that hasn't you haven't thought about until this very minute <laughs> you know what i mean and uh no that's real dude that's real it's all about the perspective that you have up there and how you're what you're thinking about at the time because i mean i mean i think one of our first uh tours we were on we were playing in germany and we played this really cool spot i think it was in germany and it was just one of those nights you know man like the the venue dropped the ball and didn't promote it very well. And I think there was honestly about 12 people that were there in like a 300 cap room. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we got up there and we're like, guys, this is for us. Like, and this is for those 12 people. Like those 12 people are here. They bought tickets. Let's give <clears> them <throat> the best show they've ever seen in their lives so that they feel like they're in a 300 sold out show. Like, let's not go up there and be like, Cause there's 12 people here. Let's just play like half the set. You know, let's just do the songs that are easy. Cause we're tired. Like that's, you're not doing anyone any, any favors. You're not doing yourself that favor, you know? So, and then, you know, we, we've been back to that same venue and it, it was a packed house, you know? So can't get down on yourself for having a shitty show. And I, don't I, know, kind of, I, I think I just started rambling. That, no, that dude, kind of it was dope. Into what we were saying at the beginning of the podcast where it's like, all right, like, yeah, we're traveling musicians. We're going to be tired, especially playing music late, being up late, uh, drinking, and then having to get up early and drive around. And, um, you know, like when we get up there, it's like, okay, like whatever you have to do before you get onto the stage, make sure you do it so that when you get up here, you play a fucking good show. Like this is our job and this is what we do. And even if you're in a bar and there's people talking. There could be one person that came to that show that was like, I've had a fucking shitty week. I've been dying to see this band, whether it's us I or drove, any other I band. I drove 
two hours to be here. Yeah. And it's like, how irresponsible to be like, well, I was tired, so I didn't. I didn't dance. I didn't yeah. move around. It's like fuck that. I was like, tired, so I sat down the whole set. <laughs> like I just play. <laughs> and, and that I feel like that happens a lot. Where sometimes, like, we'll get off a show, and like, and like, maybe you're like, oh, there weren't too many people here, but one person comes up and goes, "You have no idea how much that show just meant to me." And it's almost like it's like the same idea as like you never know who you're playing for, so like always just go for it and. And, you know, um, yeah, again, and that ties into the healing part of the music thing. Again, like somebody could have a shitty week and they come out to your show and that was the one thing that made them feel better. And if you blow the roof off, whether it's, you know, two people or 200 people, uh, I feel like that's just kind of what you have to do. And uh, I don't know. I feel like that's a responsibility as anybody who plays music is like you need to entertain and and if you're even lucky enough to have somebody that goes i just drove two hours to see you like that's fucking cool like i'm gonna talk to that person after the show i'm gonna make a a relationship with them you know again 10 diehard fans is better than 100 half-assed fans so it's like you could go make that one connection like we met uh it's funny his name was carlos santana we met him at that at that uh at the show uh at uh patty station and it was his first show and he was so excited to come and see us and he got to talk to us and, and he like bought, he, I think he bought a hat before we even played anything. And, and you could tell by that one experience. And I felt like we played well, we all felt good. You could tell I was like, Oh, he, he was hooked. And I was like, boom, we got, we got another one on our team. Like, let's go out and get, you know, do that again a million more times. <laughs> Dude, but, and that's yeah. the thing like you i think you hit the nail on the head like you never know who you're playing for and not even in like a in a beneficial to you way but how you can benefit them like you were saying like someone drives two hours to have a crappy week like you don't know what they've been through where like the music can be exactly what they need you know and it's like playing a good show it, it it's 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 not just for them. It's for you. It's for like everyone involved, you know? And I, and I, it's, it's, it's funny when you said two people, we had a show where there was only two people <laughs> in Scotland and, and it was, it was Colin. Oh God. I'm trying to remember his, the other guy's name. I want to say it was Austin. I might be wrong. I'm sorry, Austin, if your name isn't Austin, but it was Colin and you. <laughs> and those guys were like it felt like we were playing to 300 people man they were just like rocking out it was the best worst soundingest but like most awesome just rock and roll show man so dude yeah no i 100 100 percent vibe with that yeah, yeah and awesome. I, I i remember like early on oh go ahead andrew oh no, no no keep keep on this oh uh uh i remember early on and i don't know if andrew remembers this or not but the, the early stages of Robert John and the Wreck when we were just going out on the road and playing whatever show we could get. Um, it was always like, cool, did we like, let's sell one CD to a fan tonight? Like, I don't, we don't need to sell 10 CDs. We don't need to sell a shirt. We don't need to sell, we don't need to make $800 million tonight. Like, let's sell one CD to one fan that's going to come see us next time. You know? And like, that was like, end of the night, cool. Did we, did we sell one CD to one person who really cared? Yep. Cool. We did it. You know, and those, you know, that's like, <clears throat> sorry. That's, that's how we feel in those situations today. Cause they happen occasionally, you know, someone books an off gig 
Someone was telling me, like, some giant band from the 80s, like Tesla, was playing at the Grove in Orange County. There's maybe 50 people in the audience for them or something like that because of weird booking things and how they, they did it, right? So I feel like that's still happening today. That's always going to happen in a music career, you know? It's just something that's booked off for uh, things you have no control over. And, uh, yeah, like everyone's saying, you just got to give it a 110%, and then, uh, like, it's it's not about you. Or you make it more about you, even. Like, it, okay, I need this, you know? And I'm just going to put it in because I want to do it. Um, one of the things I was thinking about is that we always get the comments of like, oh, are you from the South? Are you from Texas or something like that? And I feel like you guys are in that category where you're also SoCal, but you don't sound like you're from SoCal. uh, So the world has decided or whatever. Uh, What do you have to say about something like that? Um, I, I look at it as a compliment, if I'm honest, you know, because I know for us, we we've always kind of done the music we've done it as far like it's evolved and been refined. I like to think, but it's always been in that bluesy, rocky classic rock vein, you know, and it really started making progress. I think toward more towards what we sounded like after for sure. After the first time we ever played South by the first time we ever played South by was in 2016 and it was a shit show. It was great. We went out there like, yeah, we're going to play South by. We're the band. We're going to do it. We're going to rock out. And like, we drove to Texas overnight and we got out of this hot van and the first gig was cool. And then we saw a band and we're like, whoa, they're really good. And then the second gig was like a little better. And then we saw this other band and we're like, whoa, they're like, okay. And the third gig, like it just all fell apart. And then like the drive home was really quiet for a while. Um, and then it was like, okay, we bombed. We didn't like what we did, but like, what was it about it? Like, can we narrow it down? Can we figure out why we think we suck? Like, what is it about us that sucks? And it was like, okay, cool. We're going to target this and target that. And then by the next time we went out on the road and like, we went to new Orleans, like we started sitting at, well, we had to sit in in order to get gigs was like, they're like, yo, you got a jam here. And we're like, okay. So we did like these jams and you know, those players, they had the tones, they had the feels, they had a lot of the elements of music that we wanted you know, and it's not that we wanted to be these musicians or anything, but there, there was something that they were tapping into. There was a level of musicianship and an understanding of musicianship that they were just at. And like more than, more than just like the physical playing, I mean, they were phenomenal players, but even just like the mindset, the mentality, like there was just, there was a lot of, of depth there. And it was predominantly in the Texas, in new Orleans, in you know, the Nashville areas, like that's where that was. So when people were like, Oh, you guys have this kind of a sound. Like, are you sure? Like people have been like, Oh man, like guy came up to me after the last show and was like, Oh, so uh, you're from like Mississippi, huh? No, Ontario, but I, I'll take it. Cause to me to have that kind of a sound, what I think they're really saying, cause maybe they're, they're not, musically i don't want to say they're not musically literate enough but i think the comments like that come from people Dang. not knowing how to say like hey i'm gonna call it what it is you know what i'm saying i'm not saying that they don't know stuff it's they don't know how to word it you know what i mean like i'm not a drummer so i can't be like oh that's a cool paradiddle thing i'm just gonna be like yo you, you sound like the super tap 
That's a cool, that's a jazzy sound. No, it's a six, eight swing, whatever, you know, but um, I think it's them uh, alluring to the authenticity of the bluesiness or that, that type of tone that the South has been known for, been known for pioneering. So I look at it as a badge of honor, to be honest, like that's, one of the coolest things ever when someone's like, Oh, you sound like you're from Texas. You sound like you're from New Orleans. Sweet. I'll take that. Any day. Where do your guys' influences lie? Because when I think about it, like we can't really put our finger on it in a good way. We know Chris, our old guitar player was like really into the almond brothers and that sort of sound and maybe like pushed us in that direction, but we've sort of developed and just, done whatever we thought was cool and then people sort of try to put their name on it or whatever and i always you know it it's like well robert has his voice and that's gonna sound how it's gonna sound and then (laughs) and uh we're just gonna play songs and those are gonna sound how they're gonna sound and they just sort of fit overall or they don't but my goal is just to expand the whole thing I'm not really interested in like having a sound. I'm interested in what fits. And especially when we've made however many records at this point, like, like you can't repeat yourself or or you can't repeat yourself that much, or you have to do the best version of the thing that you've maybe done before. But yeah. So how do you guys feel about like your influences and then where that's taken you? It's it's an interesting thing because I think not having a sound. So <laughs> we've had a hard time defining like what our sound is or like what our genre you is. You and everyone else, buddy. Right. <laughs> so we're like a blues rock band, but like we're not. You know, we're like new wave folk soul polka blues rock, dude. You know, it just, you just have to experience it. Um, no, but it's it it's been both positive and negative because I think on the one hand having an obscure sound or maybe being perceived as having one arguably is hard because then when people want to place you with things, whether it be, Oh, we'll book you for this tour. We'll book you for this showcase. We'll book you for this. You run into a lot of problems. The flip side is it gives you a lot of freedom creatively speaking to write what you want. If you're not trying to just be a blues band, you can write a reggae song. If you're not trying to just be a hard rock band, you can write a soft ballad. So there's been a lot of like pros and cons to what we are. I know for, for me, like I have influences on guitar that are like, you know, Derek trucks, Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, David Gilmore, Freddie King, um, Santana, uh, Tony Iommi. So, you know, a lot of bluesy influences, a lot of rock influences as well. But then vocally, it's like, you know, Freddie Mercury, um, Frank Sinatra, David Lee Roth, a little bit of Ray Charles, a little, little bit around there, you know, like, and then for like our drummer, like, you know, Sonny loves just getting into like all the classic rock, you name it, ACDC, uh, Rush, Led Zeppelin you know, all of that side, but then also a lot of pop punk, you know, and um, with our bass players that we've cycled through, they all have a bunch of their own influences as well. But like Sabbath has been a pretty big one. Getty, we all the normal, the normal bass ones, you know, the bass greats. 
There's like four of them. Whatever. Four strings, four bass grates. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no, nah, man, I'm joking mostly. Um, but it, I feel like mostly. Sorry. Yeah, I like, I like that. I like that. I like, I like how you added mostly. Yeah. Nonchalantly. <laughs> I'm just joking. Mostly. Anyways. <laughs> Fuck bass no. players. <laughs> they keep leaving us, man. We finally got a guy that's sticking around for now. So yeah. you know, I'm I'm super stoked because um, he's good. He gets down, but um, but yeah, I mean, same thing. We've just kind of been trying to do us and expand upon it. And I think where we've really landed is we have. Uh, if you look at classic rock as a feel, that's kind of what we're trying to capture, but a, a span that across the genres that classic rock encapsulates because i would argue like you have black sabbath would be ed's metal but it's also classic rock but then so is led zeppelin and a lot of people are like well that's a really close comparison until you look at you know you have war pigs and then you have like uh dire maker you know what i'm saying like two wildly different songs but both are classic rock and like so it kind of gives you that whole expenditure I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm going yeah, with it. The sound is probably more about the instrumentation than it is about what you're actually playing, you know? Yeah. Especially in someone like a Zeppelin or something like that. Okay, well, you have guitars, drums, and bass, and keyboards, and whatever, and maybe you add horns, and maybe you add... But that, like, really speaks to the 70s because that's what they were doing, and then you get to that point where they introduce synths, and it sort of changes the sound of music, but just by the fact that you have that instrumentation like defines almost where you sit. It does. It does in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of times people do try to put us in a box as well. And they'll be like, Oh, you guys are like a Hendrixy blues. Like you guys are just, you're doing Hendrix blues. And like, we do some songs that are Hendrixy and bluesy. And we even cover Hendrix, like with a song or two, but the majority of our set, like we're doing like original stuff or whatever, which Again, it can kind of go either way because it's like, oh, cool, people think we sound like Hendrix, and then it's like, oh, people just think we sound like Hendrix. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 a double edged sword, but uh, I think for us, it's if we can make people feel better each album and just get more, not just vulnerable on our end, but more visceral connection between us and the listener. If I know, I'll put it this way: when I listen to like you guys for sure especially live and that's not just because you guys are here i would say that without you here um but you guys tedeschi trucks uh rival sons um and strangely enough my chemical romance but that's a whole other thing like <laughs> hey i'm just you know i'd be real um yeah. like there's just so much emotion and vulnerability with some songs that i'm just like yes i can just i i don't exist anymore i transcend and i'm in the realm of music and I'm just like, I'm in the music, I'm in the moment. And there's varying levels of how much you're in there. And I think the more we can get people into there to where they have like a total disassociation and they just forget their name and they're just in that music zone, that's what we want to do. For sure. As yeah. well, sound. well, and getting into, uh, I mean, not to get too crazy here, but um I was just listening to an interview. I'm a big Queens of the Stone Age fan. And I was listening to an interview with Josh and they're approaching their next album. And he was thinking of like, he, the, his mindset on it was 
if I make an album that sounds like anything that I've already done in the past, I'm doing a disservice to my fans. And I could see how somebody could be like, well, that's stupid because I want an album. I want it to sound like Queens of the Stone Age. But I think the main thing is it's always going to be Queens of the Stone Age because is it's that fucking band. It's like the same with Robert John and the Wreck. It's like we could put we could bring a song that, you know, say somebody else completely finished and brings it into the band. It's like if we play any tune, it's always going to sound like our band. So to try to push it to a point of being like, well, we know that we're already going to sound like that. We want to push our sound to the next level, um, especially in, I feel like nowadays where, you know, I felt like back in the seventies or in the early sixties, you could kind of have that sort of like, okay, there wasn't so many bands, so it wasn't so eclectic. And nowadays, you know, you start to see like, like two bands right off the top of my head that I feel like have changed their sound, but maintain their core is like, like a Radiohead for sure. And then like, like a Beck or something, you know, somebody who like has so many different like albums or even like a band like Ween, like a weird, you know, it's like their albums are so far apart, especially Ween. Like some of those albums are like crazy, but like, or even like Beck, I feel like is a good example. He started off, he did all these crazy kind of sound stuff. And then later, you know, he kind of got into some more acoustic stuff, but it's always had that Beck vibe. And, and like, to be like, oh, I just want an album that sounds like Mellow Gold every time would be like, well, that's like a waste of, of who Beck could be. Or like same with Radiohead. And, and I love, I love Radiohead's first era of shit i love the rock and roll i love pablo honey i love all that stuff but i also love in rainbows <laughs> see and radiohead's a little bit more polarizing so that's why i feel pablo like the honey is bullshit but everything else works, is great. works a little bit better but um you know what i mean i feel like as a band again it's like a disservice to your fans to not give it all when you play live it's also a disservice to your fans to go well i'm just gonna try to repeat what our last album was it's like well, that's bullshit. Like just push your bounds a little bit more each time, especially in this sort of day and age where there's a million bands out there. And there's so it's like, you know, to try to pigeonhole somebody like you're talking about like, Oh, well we do Hendrix blues, but there's like, even just saying like that is so broad, like the b- term blues or country we were talking about the other day is so broad to be like, okay, well, yeah, you do that. But you also <laughs> do a Mayer, lot of song yeah, exactly. John Mayer, he does whatever the hell he wants. Like he did an album that's all, you know, retro rock, I guess, or Dude, whatever. It sounds like country rock. I mean, yeah. if you listen to sob rock, it sounds like 80s country with John Mayer vocals instead yeah. of country vocals. And I mean that in a good way. It's not, you know, it's just, that's what it sounds like. My lady was, she's like, sounds like country. I was like, oh my God, it does. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, nah, man, you know, uh, counterpoint ACDC. You know, they've just renamed the same album 40 times. Keep <laughs> dropping it. And, and, you know. And the, the they just came out with, a, like, a new song like recently. Like when the, yeah, when the past, and it like, sounds like months. the last song and on their last album. Like, it sounds like a song that they came out with in, like, right. 82. You're going to make you feel. Yeah. And it's great. Sick. I love it. I'm just like, this is a, this could have been on, like, a whatever record that's black and black or whatever, you know? Anything um, musically, it's about balance and timing, though, right? So, I mean, in the same way you have to make a mix good, I think you have to 
stay true to who you are because that's what people fell in love with, but push yourself artistically to not only for yourself to like, Hey, what can I do new, but to stay fresh? Because I think, you know, you can only repeat the same song so many times and at least garner new and new audience. Like it's one thing to, to cater to an audience that you've already have, who already loves you and is about what you're going to do. But if there's anything Kanye fans have shown us, it's like, if you have a strong enough audience, you can do anything and they're going to love it. So to really test your merit and to really like, but again, it's why, why are you doing the music? Right. I mean, because if it's to touch it, the hearts of people, if it's to connect with people, if it's to like expand and whatever, then you have to do that. If it's to make it not as much, if it's to like, you know, make the 20,000 people you have happy, like that's not a thing, you know? So I don't know, but I, I, I agree. I think, I think it's a disservice to come out with the same album twice. I for sure agree with that. I, I think you, in fact, I would double down and say it's a disservice to like not try and like do one thing new or better than what you've done previously. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I really like what you said earlier about, you know, if 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 you go out and record another song, no matter what genre it's in, it's still you, you know, what whatever name you put it under. And uh, I had a, an old friend. Um, I just I say old friend because I haven't talked just to him an old in a really long time. <laughs> Were they lying about everything? Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. But his name was uh, Barrett Slagle, and he was in a bunch of bands uh, in in the Fullerton realm. Uh, is also a great producer. He produced uh, one of the bands that I used to be in, playing drums and everything. And he told me that same exact thing. He's like, "Whatever you guys do, it doesn't matter the genre that you might be playing, but when you guys record a song, it's Robert John the Wreck." So you guys could record a Motown song, but you guys are going to do it how you guys do it, which makes it Robert John the Wreck. You can go record a blues rock song, a country song, a a reggae song. You're still going to do it as Robert John the Wreck because that's just who the band is. And that's how you guys are going to play that song. That's how I'm going to sing that song. That's how Andrew's going to play the drums on that song because that's who we are. And we, we might be leaning towards a certain style of writing music, which turns into leaning towards the way we record and the parts that we put on a song. But at the same time, it's still us. We're the ones making those decisions. And if we don't come out with the same record, people will say, Oh, this sounds different. Good. I'm glad it does. I don't want to, I don't want to put out the same record again, you know, because it's still the band that does it is the band that does it. You know, if we came out with a reggae album, which I feel like we could do, might happen. <laughs> um, Fingers crossed. Four twenty album release. Dibs on a feature. You know, Dibs I reggae album. I still would be singing. Andrew's, Andrew's still going to be playing the drums. Warren's going to be playing the bass. It's still us coming out with a new album. That is how we interpret whatever the song that we're writing is. And I think if. It's, it's a different mindset. You know, I feel like there's a lot of people out there who, who are songwriters and they're great songwriters, but they're focused on, I'm going to write this song because it's going to be a hit. You know, I'm going to write this song because it's going to be a hit. And, you know, you focus on kind of like that thing, which, you know, I've, I've been in the same boat. Like this song doesn't have a hook. So like, I'm going to put that on the side because it doesn't have anything going on for it, whether or not the lyrics are great or whether 
the riff is cool, you know, like you, you can find that out as a songwriter and like understand like cool, like this is that'll be put in like the the B side collection of, of what a song could be. But um I do agree with you as as far as just playing music and writing music and being yourself when it comes to that because that's that's who you are, you know, you're not that, you know, you're not a uh who's the guy that writes all the country songs that has like this formula that everyone Oh God. Like a Max you know, Martin or something, something like um, that. The, yeah, which is which is great because that's you know that's that's the forte in certain realms. You know, like let's just let's write the hit, let's record the hit with a certain artist, and let's put it out because it's going to sell millions of copies. Perfect. That's that works for you. You know, and I would say ska is kind of proof of that. Ska, you know, if you look at that, like that, that's literally a bunch of kids who did punk music taking reggae influences, and we're like, we're gonna do reggae music our way. Right. And some of them are like uh, 416 or whatever it is by Sublime. I'm butchering it because I'm a couple beers in. Um, right. Like that's a, the that one. cover. Yeah. 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 Dude, it's a full blown reggae cover, but it, it's, it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like, sounds like Sublime. It sounds like this like ska that, punky rock that whole song. record, by the way, is sampling old reggae songs and no one knows it. But, uh, yeah, Me and, and Warren know, but yeah, exactly, <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. It, they just did the hip hop thing, but with reggae, and then took it to like whatever level they took it to, and then they threw guitars on it, and like you know, like Rocky overtones, and which is like, also their homage of doing like the reggae MC thing. That was them being like, okay, I like how you know, like reggae MCs would kind of have these verses and this stuff and it was like okay they kind of did it over other beats and they shared a lot of stuff and like, yeah it was like exactly what we're talking about funnel all that into sublime it's like boom that is going to sound like sublime ever they could do a they could do a, a fucking uh the sinatra cover and it'd be like that's going to be so you know what i mean just like inherently that right that, to the moon we play amongst <laughs> the stars <laughs> <laughs> all right and it, it'd be great man I'd, I'd listen to that. See, we got a little time left, but I feel like we'd be doing people a disservice if we didn't talk about some touring and some tour stories. Okay. So okay. What kind of trouble have you guys gotten into in Europe? That you can, all that you can legally say yeah, yeah, over the internet. Anyone getting mad at you? Um, let me see. Some some trouble. Uh, <laughs> we've, uh, I've, we've got stuff stolen before, but that's like that. Every band has that happen. Like we had a jacket broken into. Um, I feel like we we haven't gotten into too much trouble, man. We're we're like we're pretty vanilla. If I'm honest. oh, but there was there was this gig at the Priory Hotel. Um, great guy there. His name's Paul, and he he do, they do work there with a bunch of like um, special needs kids and stuff, and like help them. I don't know if I like where this is going. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Let's just dial this one back. <laughs> no no because like they're not like they're they're good on the spectrum you know like they can hold like they're they're high high functioning high functioning um and and uh he, he helps them like get jobs and like learn social skills and stuff like that and like they work at the place and it's a whole thing they get paid like it's not like you know slave labor or anything like it's he's a good dude it's a great place you guys need to check it out but the point of this story is we get there and after the show he's like he's like let me buy you a drink I'll get you a drink mate and I'm like nah man she's like come on just like you want some tequila and I'm like all right I'll have one he's like a triple that one triple turned into like ten triples um, 
yeah, we were long story short, we're running around the halls of this like hotel slash like sanctuary for people learning to have social skills. And we're just absolutely just drunk out of our minds, just hooting and hollering, but it was a good time. It was a good time, man. Yeah. We've had a, had a lot of time with that. I've driven on the wrong side of the road once, mm. twice. Are you guys driving yourselves out there? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. Cause I, I, I do all the booking, you know, on me and I do all the driving cause I'm the only one who knows how to drive a stick shift. And then because I used to be an EMT, I'm kind of used to driving on the other mm. side of the road. So that part gets easy. And uh, yeah, man, shout out to Mick who lets us borrow a van. Um, also, fun fact, when you book yourself and you don't know England's layout, you do a lot of things where you book up here and then way down here and then back way up here. So then you get a show where you're you're out at 3 a.m. just absolutely pissed drunk. And then you have to drive like seven hours to the very top of England the next day, which is like not wise. That's our touring of uh, the United States, basically, because yeah. we do have to drive ourselves around here. But uh, yeah, we we got that. That I feel like having Manny as a tour manager made us make worse decisions because we don't <laughs> even have to think about. And we, we, I whatever I've told my dumb getting lost in Spain story now, so now people know. But uh, um, yeah, it's easier to make bad decisions when someone's driving. Because that guy goes to bed early. You know he's going to be there. You know you just have to roll out of bed and get in the van. Yeah. But, like, I, I don't know. I get an overconfidence because I'm like, I'm a good driver. I've been driving in England. I've had no problems. And then next thing you know, I might have high-fived another car's mirror with my car's mirror while we are driving in London because their roads are, like, this narrow. They are pretty narrow. And then yeah. they're, like put parking spaces in the weirdest places where the car just like goes straight into the lane or something. Oh like, yeah. How would you, or just the pole, just the pole in the middle of the lane to like drive around it for no reason. Oh my God. No, we did the GPS one time and I thought we got lost because it had us go on this road and then we made a left. And the next thing I know we're in a field and it's like, continue for five kilometers down the field, turn right at this haystack, turn left at the pig. <laughs> and like, we're just like in this farm area, like big giant like corn husks, and we're like just driving through this field, like where are we going? And then there's like this little road, and it's like one car either way, and we end up at like this standoff with this other car, and I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be bad. Luckily, this other car came behind us, and I was like, two versus one, bro, you gotta back up. So this guy kind of backs up, and we're like driving sideways next to each other in this berm in the rental. Um, which that whole thing was a fiasco. Don't don't uh don't rent cars during the World Cup. It's not fun. We uh this was uh, 2018 is our first time out there, and we we had the rental, and it was like you know 900 quid or whatever it was, and there was like it was the three of us. I think we had our photographer at the time, and then like two other helpers, all in this like seven seater with all our luggage and our gear, and we're just like Tetris up. Well, time came to renew it, and we're like, "Cool, we got enough money. We're good." Because the World Cup, the thing, the price went up to like thirteen, fourteen hundred pounds, and that was like all the money we had. Period. So I was like, "Well, my drummer, uh, Sonny's like, hey, how much? How much money do we have right now?" I was like, "We have about like five pounds, whatever." We're like, "Uh," I'm like, "It's cool. We're gonna play this gig," and they're like, "Oh, it's merch and tips only." We're like, "Awesome, we got this." 
and Crazy. it was it was a good show. It was a good show. So we <laughs> we survived. But uh, yeah, World Cup, man, it, it jacks up the price of rentals. Don't do that. Crazy. Crazy. All right. Well, D, you were invited back anytime you want to be here. That was anytime. a fun time, and I feel like we could talk about this kind of stuff forever. So, dude, this was fun, man. I'm, you guys dropped a lot of a lot of like just awesome wisdom, man. I think people needed to hear. I know, I know, I was about it. I was loving it. Um, sorry, I know sometimes I ramble, but dude, this was fun, man. This was this was this was a pleasure. Yeah. And b- before great. we before we take off, you have I think like three shows this weekend. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. We got I got three shows. So mm-hmm. Thursday's gonna be kind of just a me solo thing, unless some of the people wanna come. It's just big D in the vibe over at twenty five degrees in Huntington. Um, you guys are welcome that, to show up. Bring does, your does big D in the vibe mean it's just you solo and that someone shows up, or what is what is that? Pretty much, yeah. It's just me <clears> just solo and then whoever wants to jump in, just like jump in and we'll just we'll rock out. So if you guys wanna come to twenty five degrees in Huntington, dude, we'll jam out, man. Nice. Um Friday we're gonna be at Per, uh, that's uh, 25 degrees, Huntington? No, like, day? Oh, Thursday. Thursday. Oh, cool. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. So, yeah, man, come down because, you know, I'm always on to have other, all the musicians <laughs> roll through, man. It'd be like a blast. It gets crazy oh, yeah. in there. There's, there's a lady who fought someone with a chair. Next time, though, that's the thing. She was like 80 and she was like throwing chairs. This is a real yeah. story. Got a lot of crazy um, old ladies at your shows, apparently. <laughs> dude, it was wild, man. We have two, no, man. We have two. Oh, we'll man, you, we'll, we'll, I'll tell you the old lady stories on the next podcast that you're on. Boom. So I can think of like three right now. Oh man. Heck yeah. Uh, Friday, we're going to be at perks, which is also in Huntington. Um, but that's full band. We're going to be there at nine perks o'clock. Great. Dude. I love nice. that place. Uh, I want to do a show there with you guys and just like pack yeah. the place like wall to wall it. and just burn the roof down with our rock. I think Let's that'd do be it. great. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's going to be Friday. And then Saturday, we're going to be at the Wayfarer in Costa Mesa playing with Them Evils, Big Monster, and Scarlet something. Kenny. I, name. I have to check out. Kenny. That's Scarlet Kenny. Yes. Epic show. Yeah. yeah no, that'd be a great big. show. It's going to be fun. It's going to be all the rocks, all the rolls. So make sure, please, people, roll through. Come support. Have a good time. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. we don't have anything coming up in town Anymore, right? Uh, uh, no, just have the mammoth Booza Palooza. Got mammoth Palooza, baby. Also, we got to hang out in England because we're going to be there in the same time as long as that all happens. Right on. Fingers crossed. So, so <laughs> we we got to all rock out together over there, man. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I guess we don't. Our last gig until we leave for Europe is Saturday, August 7th at the Mammoth Blueza Palooza. Um, all the information that is on our website, robertjohnandtherec.com. Um, our pre order packages for Shine a Light on Me Brother are still live. You can get. You can pre-order the CD, you can pre-order the vinyl, you can pre-order uh, exclusive merch bundles, all of that also available at robertjohnandtherec.com. Also available to ship, uh, to be fulfilled within Europe and the United States. So if you live in the UK or if you live anywhere in Europe, you don't have to pay to ship it from California. We will send it from our distribution center in Europe. Shout out to Bird at CRS. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all we got coming up. And right now we are going to end off the podcast with some more Porcelain Hill. 
This song is called Who You Foolin'. It is the first song off of the self-titled album that we heard earlier. Um, we guys hope you enjoy this. Uh, follow the follow Big D at Big D on Big underscore D underscore guitar at Instagram.com and at Porcelain Hill. Um, all over the social media stuff. Darnell, thank you again for everything. Yes, uh, thank you for being here. Have you back. We've only scratched the surface of all the things that we can get into. Dude, thanks for having me. You guys seriously are the coolest. And I just, I love hanging out with you guys. So, uh, yeah, anytime, man. For real, for real. We love hanging Likewise. out with you too. Likewise, brother. All right. Here we go. Who Are You Fooling by Porcelain Hill. Go listen to them, subscribe, do all that sort of social media shit. Here we go. Tell me who you fooling. 